welcome to Stories of Faith and Hope, the podcast that inspires your faith and gives you reason to hope. I'm your host, Joel Sutherland. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I'm really excited about the conversation that you're about to hear, Dr. Henderson and I talking about um, the life of Daniel, continuing our story, picking up from where we left off last week. Have you ever had a dream that you woke it up from and it just seems so real and so awful that you wake up in a cold sweat. I could imagine that's how Daniel is feeling at this point in our story. We talked last week about this dream that he had had about these four beasts that had come up out of the sea. And it's such a vivid, terrifying dream that he wakes up and he's really troubled and he becomes sick. And it's just, it's not a good thing. And uh, so that's where we pick up the story here as we continue Daniel chapter 7. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Dr. Henderson. If you recall, we had finished um, Daniel 4. We had had the, the conversion of Nebuchadnezzar. And we decided to go through the book chronologically rather than numerically, in numerical order. And so we jumped from the end of chapter 4 into chapter 7, because chapter 7 was the next chapter that would have been written. Um, And so we have this dream that Daniel had, and he was standing on the edge of this water. And what came up out of the water? These big animals. Big animals. (laughs) (laughs) And we had a... What a, a lion, a bear, um, and uh, a leopard, and then this dragon, dragon. this <laughs> this beast that he couldn't even describe. Um, and then he sees this up above the water. He looks up and he sees into heaven. And there's this um, there's this judgment scene that that goes on. And uh, we had just finished Daniel chapter seven and verse fourteen where the vision had ended. And uh, we'll pick up here in chapter 7, verse 15. Okay. And I'm reading uh, out of the uh, clear word. I was really bothered by the vision and became depressed because I couldn't make sense out of what I had seen. While still in vision, I asked the angel to tell me what all this meant. And he said to me, the four animals that you saw coming up out of the stormy sea represent four kingdoms which will arise one after another. But the kingdom of the saints, those who belong to the Most High, will eventually supersede all of these other kingdoms, and their kingdom will last forever and ever. Hmm. Pretty good promise. Yeah, yeah. Because he's he's grieved in his spirit, he's being troubled by this vision, and you wonder kind of what he saw. Um, It it talks about the um, very in verse verse seven, you know, this dragons, you know, just kind of stomping on everything and breaking everything. And and then you see this little horn and it comes after the saints of the most high and all of this stuff that he sees. And you wonder how much detail he actually saw. and, And so he's troubled. And he's worried, and then that is such a great promise. You know, these these four beasts, these four kingdoms, they're going to pass away, but the saints of the Most High, their kingdom is going to last forever. Yeah, it's a beautiful promise. Yep, and then I asked him to tell me about the fourth animal that looks so terrifying and is totally different from all the rest. 
the animal that had the iron teeth and bronze claws, which crushed everything that got in its way. I asked him also about the ten horns and the little horn that came up after the breast and pushed three other horns out of the way, the one that had kindly eyes and an arrogant mouth, which was more powerful than all the other horns put together. Mm. That's uh, a strange series of events. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I mean, I think some of my dreams are weird, but I think his his yeah. is even weirder than some of mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and yet it all means something, you know. It's Yeah. yeah. Well, at least he's been told now that this represents kingdoms. Yes. Yes. And so these are all just uh, representative of what's going to happen during those different kingdoms. Yeah. And so this this little horn kingdom it's or little horn is really a, a small kingdom that comes right. up that um that these eyes and the mouth they represent different things. Um and eyes usually represent wisdom um in in the Bible and so it's it's talking about characteristics that this kingdom has. Right. right. I wanted to know more about this little horn that made war against God's people. And succeeded in doing so until the heavenly court went into session and the Ancient of Days decided in favor of God's people and announced that the time had come for them to have their own kingdom. So my angel explained this to me. The monstrous animal that you saw represents the fourth and most powerful kingdom on earth following the others. It is different from the other three because it will crush every nation that stands in its way and tear it to pieces. So I, I want to stop you there for just a second. Sure. Um, we talked a little bit in the last in the last section of this chapter um, how there was a lot of parallels between this and Daniel chapter two, the right. the image and the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. And if if that's true, if we go back and look at the similarities, then these beasts, which the angel says represent kingdoms, right. would. Probably, or most likely, it would make sense that they would represent the same kingdoms same that kingdoms. Daniel too. Right. And so that would mean the lion then would represent what kingdom? Babylon, the right? The lion? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Babylon, who is followed by Medo-Persia, um, which would have been the bear, and and then it followed... raised up on one side. Yes, and the, the Medes became more powerful than the Persians. Right. Or was it opposite? I think it was Medes was more powerful than the Persians. Um, and then you have the uh, the leopard represented by Greece. Greece. And most notably, it, let's see, what did it say? Um, most notably, Alexander the Great and his... Um, uh, I, I'm not finding it right now. Anyway, um, but the the wings on the leopard represent the speed and agility right. with the which swiftness in which he yeah, conquered. Yeah, and then the four heads represent his kingdom being divided among the four generals after his death. And then now in, in verse 23, it's talking about the fourth beast, the fourth kingdom on earth was what kingdom? Rome. Rome, which was dreadful and terrible. And, you know, it was, what was it, 400, 500 years that, that Rome ruled, um, ruled the world. And it was a very iron monarchy. And so we can see that here, and it's saying that it would um, be different from the other kingdoms. It would devour the whole earth. It would trample it, break it in pieces. And that was describing Rome there. All right. Verse 24. The ten horns that you saw on its head 
represent ten smaller kingdoms which will rule the same territory that the animal ruled over. And afterward, another little kingdom will rise up that will be different from the other ten, and it will get rid of three of them to make room for itself. This little horn will try to take the place of God and will actually boast about it. It will wage an aggressive campaign against God's people and will even attempt to change God's law. It will do this for three and a half prophetic years, that is, for 1,260 actual years. All right. So then, specific. Very specific, very specific. And I think if we look back in history, we could find what this represents. Yes. Um, what, what came, it says that, that after this, these 10 horns represent 10 kingdoms that came out of Rome. What happened to Rome? Was it conquered by something or no? what happened to it? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> it was basic. It was basi- yeah. It was basically, it ended up divided into right. 10, it, basically these, um, Barbaric, they were called barbaric at that time, barbaric tribes amongst the empire of Rome just kind of came in and conquered bits and pieces of the empire. And so our ancestors, the Anglo-Saxons, were were one of those. Um, And so they just came in and basically destroyed what was left of the empire and divided it up into 10 areas, which have become modern Europe today. Right. and so that, that's what the ten kingdoms were. But then it says this little horn comes up among them and takes out three of those, three of those. to make space for itself. And if we look at the history of the Roman Empire, these um, ten tribes that, that take over, um, we see the the Roman papal church, the Roman Catholic church, kind of coming up as a power out that, outgrows from Rome. It becomes the new Rome, basically. And as it rose to power, it took out three of these tribes but because they want to recognize its supremacy. And so it basically destroyed three of these tribes as it came into power. Um, in 538 AD was when the last one of those was right. um, conquered. And if you look back in the history books, for the next 1,260 years about, um, the Roman Catholic Church pretty much ruled the world. Right. And, and you have a lot, of, um, a lot of followers of Jesus, a lot of Christians during that time ending up you know, going into hiding. We have the, uh, the Huguenots in, in France. You have the Waldensians in Italy. You have um, these people groups that are trying to remain faithful to God, that go into hiding, that are being persecuted by this state government church um, right. during that time period. And 1,260 years later, in 1798, um, Napoleon's general, Berthier, ends up taking the Pope captive and, and breaks this 1,260-year yes. reign, uh, reign of terror, basically. Um, so it's fascinating to see, when we look into history, um, this being fulfilled. And, and I don't think you can apply this little horn power to anybody else other than the historic Roman papal, papal church. Right, yeah. It's interesting how that history proved what Daniel wrote. Yeah, yeah. And this you is know. the second time we've seen this in this book so right. far. Right, Yeah. Verse 26, But the heavenly court will convene and rule against the little horn, and take away its power, and destroy it. Then God's people will be given their own kingdom, 
which takes in the whole world, every country under heaven, it will be exclusively for God's people, and it will last how long? Mm. Forever. Forever. It will be governed by the Most High God, and everyone there will obey Him and serve Him from a loving heart. Mm. And this ended our conversation. I was terrified and felt sick at what I had seen, and my face turned pale, but I kept it all to myself. Mm. It's fascinating if you look at both ends of this 1260-year reign. Um, at the beginning of that, before the, the Roman Papal Church came into power, the uh, the secular Roman Empire was persecuting Christians, getting rid of them. Um, then the church took its turn doing that. The uh, the the state church, and then it, by by the end of this, at near the end of that 1260 years, is when we had the reformers such as Martin Luther right. and, and John Calvin and 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 Wesley and and so many others that started changing the face of Christianity. Right. And and today things are much different than they were at that time. And then there in verse 26, we have, just as we had earlier in the vision, we have this view from earth into heaven. And we we see what's happening behind the scenes there in that courtroom in heaven. And in the end, the saints end up with the kingdom. And that's a promise for us that someday these earthly kingdoms, earthly governments, they're all going to pass away. But we will be given the eternal home of heaven, and we'll get to live there forever. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Me too. (laughs) Me too. As I get older, it's more imminent. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Yeah. Wow. What a powerful ending to such an incredible chapter. I love how we can gather from this that God really is in control, and that we do know the end of the story. Well, next week, I am really excited about, because I have as my guest someone really special. It's my father, uh, Curtis Sutherland. He's an army chaplain, and he's going to be talking a little bit about what ministry looks like in the military, and answering some questions that you might have about that. So here is just a quick preview of my conversation with my father, Curtis Sutherland. So chaplaincy, first off, is a little bit different from being a pastor. Uh, a lot of times in my pastoral work, for instance, you feel like you are defending the faith. You are maintaining the standards of the church, and uh, you're pretty much working with the flock. As a chaplain, you are everybody's pastor. Hmm. It doesn't matter what uh, what flavor of faith you have. Uh, you, are, you are upholding their constitutional right to have the privilege of maintaining their own faith and of practicing their own faith. You'll hear that conversation next week right here on Stories of Faith and Hope. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, subscribe. If you have not already subscribed, so you can hear next week's as well as the weeks following that. We are available on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. You can find us online at faithandhoperadio.com, on Facebook at Faith and Hope Radio. Hope you have a wonderful day. God bless you. And until next week, have faith and hope.